Like all popular destinations, London is home to two parallel worlds, one touristy and one where the real local action takes place. James Sherwood has compiled the witty, discriminating guide to London in order to bridge the gap between newcomers and longtime Londoners. In it, he reviews their traditional favorite places to eat, drink, dress, shop, stay, and to be seen. It harkens back to the world of gentlemen and gentle ladies and explains how the best of 19th century traditions still carry on in today's modern cosmopolitan city. James joins us from the BBC studios in London right now on Travel with Rick Steves for his tailor-made advice for enjoying a posh night out in London. James, you've written a fascinating book that, that helps any traveler to London understand that parallel world that so many of us are almost blind to. How did you get interested, and, and how did you learn so much about this upper echelon in London society? Well, I've been in London for 25 years. And when, when I first arrived, I was five years old. My parents took me to see Trooping the Colour. Um, so I saw the Queen and saw the Crown Jewels in the Tower of London and decided then and there that I would uh, migrate from the frozen north and become a Londoner. And I think after 25 years, you are classified as a Londoner. And how much change have you seen in 25 years from this uh, elegance that originally attracted you to this great city? I'm quite reassured that London, because it has the listing system, the grade one, grade two for architecture, for important buildings, that they're very much ring-fenced and protected. So there's, there's little change there. But that said, there is an enormous amount of building work at the moment. I mean, I've calculated that there are probably more square miles of development now than there would have been after the Blitz when the Germans mm. bombed us. So mm. it really is an interesting time for London. I want to go out on an unforgettable, for the rest of my life, night on the town in London. Uh, first of all, i got to dress right, and, and we've got plenty of money. Take me out shopping. I think the first point is that actually you don't need to wear a tie necessarily. You just look at the hedge fund boys. I mean, the, these are the people who, who really have the money rather than the aristocracy in the UK. And they almost to a man wear Savile Row custom, you call it, bespoke suits with one button um, from Savile Row with a white open neck shirt and very, very good shoes from Lob, possibly. And that will probably take you anywhere for a chap. Well, that's good to know. And uh, how would a chap get to the uh, theater or the concert or the dinner? Would they drive or would they have a, a driver or no. would they take a taxi? Well, people do have drivers in London, but it's a bit ridiculous, to be honest. You actually can't drive around London anymore. Mm -hmm. There are too many restrictions. Um, the bikes now, the um, bicycles have become like a swarm of mosquitoes. So you're held up. For, you, you probably wouldn't make the curtain at the Royal Opera House if you had a driver. You'd end up having to get out and walk anyway. Mm -hmm. So if, if I was a lady, I would probably take two inches off the heel and walk it. <laughs> okay, and would tonight we're going to have a dinner. And Would you normally have a dinner and then a, a musical event or a theater, or what would you do? Personally, I, I'd like to eat after the theater. This right. depends whether you're at the Opera House and watching Wagner, at which point you're not going to get out until 11 o'clock and you're going to be exhausted. But I would like to go for a cocktail first. I would probably go to Duke's Bar, just off St. James's Street, Duke's Hotel. This is where Ian Fleming, the James Bond author, um, mm. ordered his vodka martinis shaken, not stirred. And we know this is absolutely true because it's in, in Fleming's memoirs. And they still serve such a thing called the Vespa Martini. It's very old-fashioned in the nicest possible way. There is no music. You cannot stand up. You have to be seated, which I find absolutely delightful. And you are served. So there's no bellying up to the bar. And they will not serve more than two martinis anywhere. They'll suggest you move on to champagne or a gin and tonic because they're lethal. 
handle. And that, for me, is, is a barman like Alessandro looking after his customers and making sure that everybody's having an elegant time so it doesn't get rowdy, it doesn't get noisy. You know, I, I don't like pipe music. I prefer conversation with the person that I'm with. And then what would we do? I'd go to the theatre or I would go to a concert. I might go to the Wig- the Wigmore Hall is extraordinary on Wigmore Street. I mean, for classical music, it's second to none for recitals. Um, the Royal Opera House, I really wouldn't leave London without seeing at least one performance if you possibly can. It doesn't matter if it's in the gods. Sometimes it's better, particularly with the ballet, because you see the formations from the gods. And I sometimes think that's that's preferable to sitting in the stalls and being hit with sort of sweat from a dozen ballerinas or a dozen <laughs> swans. <laughs> okay, so we like a, a seat high up so we can see the formations. Yes. That's a yes. good idea. How, how would you survey what's available? What's your information source when you're choosing some entertainment for the evening? I'd look at the newspapers, actually, mm-hmm. and I'd look at the reviews. I'd probably go to the Telegraph or I would go to the Times and I, I would trust their reviewers to tell you the, the best performances. Musicals are entirely subjective. You know, it depends on the genre of the music, of whether you love the composer or, you know, whether you want something energetic or poppy or, you know, something like a jukebox musical, which I don't particularly enjoy. Mm-hmm. But um, you also have the straight plays. You know, Shakespeare's Globe is probably the most magnificent theatre in London. It's, I mean, it's mm. a, a reproduction of Shakespeare's Globe on the South Bank. And you, you really feel as though you're in the late Elizabethan era. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with James Sherwood. His book is The Discriminating Guide to London, an unabashed companion to the very finest experiences in the world's most cosmopolitan city. And James, you have a wonderful knack of collecting restaurants and then grouping them in different categories. And uh, you have all these different categories. You're going out with me, so what category would you, would you uh, look to? Oh, for a restaurant? Yeah. I would probably think if I was coming to an, into an inheritance and then you could pay. I think that <laughs> okay, would be so you've, ideal. You've got where to eat when you're coming into an inheritance, or where to eat with amorous intent, uh, where to eat in the company of beautiful people, where to eat with, with important, your godchildren. important client with your godchildren. Okay, I'll be when you've come into an inheritance. So where are we going to go? I'd probably go to Wilton's for dinner, actually, rather than for the set lunch. I would, ah. I, I would spoil myself. Wilton's on German Street. Mm. It's an ancient restaurant. It was an oyster bar, really, in the 18th century. It was an oyster, it was an oyster shack more, more than anything else. But now it, it's probably one of the most discreetly smart restaurants in London. It's one of the very few places that the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh dine privately, and they very, very rarely do. I think the last restaurant was Bellamy's which is just on Bruton Place off Bruton Street in Mayfair. Wilton's. Okay, so we go to yes. Duke's Bar, and then we go to Wilton's yes. after our play or our concert. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And what would we eat? I mean, just describe just for a moment our, our meal. Well, for, for Wilton's, it, it's led really by seafood and by game. And it's very old Edwardian in a way. So do Solmonier would be a very popular dish, a lobster omelette, something something quite light as well, because I think after a theatre, you really don't want to eat an awful lot. I think you'd like a glass of champagne, certainly, and you'd probably like half a dozen or a dozen oysters. Mm. Um, but I think keeping it light and keeping it simple, and the food here is not sort of French haute cuisine anymore, which it certainly was, you know, 20, 30 years ago in London. Haute cuisine was very fussy. There were far too many courses. You'd probably feel slightly queasy Mm -hmm. when you'd finished. And I think people have moved on now and want much purer food, simpler food, but still with the best possible ingredients. This sounds really delightful. And uh, in your book, you you warn us that London has its own calendar and clock. We have to be careful Mm. about the tempo of the city. Uh, What do you mean exactly by this warning? 
It isn't 24 hours, London. And if if you wish to pursue a 24-hour city the way that you would in Tokyo, you'll be very disappointed because you really are sharing the streets with quite dodgy characters. Uh, mm-hmm. There certainly are 24-hour restaurants. Like um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the the most civilized one is Duck and Waffle, which is on top of a, a glass skyscraper in the city, and that is open 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You do find city boys there, and I'd rather be you know on, on the 55th floor than being on on the streets in London at three four o'clock in the morning. It's not that it's dangerous. It, mm-hmm. It's just that there's nothing happening. It's a ghost right. town. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with James Sherwood. His book is The Discriminating Guide to London. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Pam's calling in from Atlantic Beach in Florida. Pam, thanks for your call. Thank you. Do you have a comment for James? Yes. um, I just wanted to let you know that I was in London last year, and I ate at the Rules restaurant. And I found it to be not only very elegant when you walked in, it was very, very beautiful, uh, the service was impeccable, and also you got really, really authentic uh, British food. The service was wonderful. I actually had went there prior to going to the theater and really enjoyed it. I would re- highly recommend that restaurant. I'm so pleased to hear that. So this, this is Rules, R-U-L-E-S. It's a classic restaurant, and uh, James is just a, a big fan of Rules. Well, what, what is your experience with Rules, James, and what would um, Pam mean by authentic British cuisine or English cuisine? Well, it's it's certainly the oldest restaurant in London for a start, so you would have characters like Dickens and Crookshank eating there regularly, and you still feel as though you might be sitting at a table next to Charles Dickens. It's uh, it's extraordinary. It's a level of elegance and excellence, I suppose, that you would imagine, well, you would see on Downton Abbey. It's been used as a mise-en-scene for Downton Abbey. Um, and as for authentic food, it, it's very meat and game-led. It's very sort of beef, beef and potatoes, the way one would imagine an Englishman eating in the 18th century. But it, it's done with a very light touch and an awful nice. lot of class. Rules Restaurant on Maiden Lane. Pam, thanks for your call. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye now. Thank you. Yes. And Vincent's on the line in Cumberland, Maryland. Vincent, thanks for your call. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was planning a week in London for myself and my friends, and I've looked at a a number of restaurants and guidebooks and online. I was wondering if you could recommend any restaurant that could be nearby or an easy walking distance to Westminster or Tower Bridge Pier, because I was hoping, like, Aside from eating by the river, I would love to like take like an evening cruise after finishing the meal. So we got Westminster and Tower Bridge, two different parts of London, but connected by by the boat, right, James? Yeah, they're, they're very different parts of London, and actually Westminster is something as a, of a desert for restaurants. Mm-hmm. I, I would go past Westminster and 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 head for the River Cafe. You can look that up online. The River Cafe. I mean, it's sort of introduced very simple Italian cuisine. Gosh, it's got to be 20 years ago now. It's incredibly famous, um, very popular with famous people, as it happens, and um, has an amazing terrace looking out onto the Thames. And it faces, uh, I think it's the bridge in Hammersmith, actually. But, James, you could walk over Tower Bridge into the South Bank and find some interesting places, couldn't you? I think you're, you're spot on there. You know, you've hit the nail on the head that if you walk over Tower Bridge, you're into Bermondsey, you're literally five or ten minutes away from Borough Market. And mm-hmm. if you like Dickens, it really is sort of Oliver Twist consider yourself <laughs> borough market it's absolutely delightful and there are some amazing restaurants the best one i think is roast and it's in an old sort of glass conservatory that looks a little bit like the royal opera house in fact i think it was from the royal opera house originally and that is an 
absolute winner. And in that market, it's just a festival of foodie little stands, yes. little, little trendy yes. high-end food stands. And you don't think yes. of high-end gourmet food in an open-air market, but you find it there, don't you? You you do. It also might cost you £10 for a tomato if they call it heritage, <laughs> which is quite funny. I don't mind that at all. I'm a culinary arts graduate, so oh, I'll be wonderful. spending plenty of time in Borough Market, so oh, that's you know. definitely on my list for uh, that day I'm spending in that part of London. You'll probably bump into Jamie Oliver or Nigella <laughs> Lawson or one of those great, great cooks. Yeah, definitely. Vincent, thanks for your call. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. Happy travels. Bye-bye. And Michael's calling in from Houston in Texas. Michael, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on traveling in London? Well, yes. Uh, actually, I'd like to ask a question of James. Uh, I sure. like to listen to music when I travel. What I'd like to ask James is uh, if he could recommend some places in London to go to listen to folk music, uh, whether British, Irish, Welsh, or Scottish. It depends whether you like to, like to eat while you're listening to music or, or whether you would like to just listen to the music. But for, for me, I suppose, if you can bear the sort of grungier side of London, Camden Town is it for that kind of music. But it wouldn't be particularly traditional folk. It would probably be folk-influenced. It's sort of the spiritual home of Amy Winehouse, which is okay. possibly as far away from folk as you can get, <laughs> but um, sort of get reggae blues, I suppose, Amy Winehouse. But that's mm-hmm. the sort of spiritual home of... Of, the, of younger musicians in bars and pubs and clubs, um, very impromptu, and um, you you would find what you're looking for in Camden Town, I'm sure. Well, that sounds great. I love the blues and reggae, so uh, I'll Fantastic. Try. You know, I'm, I'm always impressed by Time Out and What's On and these magazines you pick up for a Agreed. pound or two. They're monthlies, aren't they, James? They're weekly, actually. Time Out's weekly, and it's free now. Oh, it's free. So it's, uh, a it, weekly yeah, magazine. It's, it's become and it's, free. It's got a world of uh, entertainment, everything from you know clubs that are meeting that might match your interests yeah. that you could just drop in on to free organ concerts in churches to uh, what pubs have music. And if you're looking for you know your your Scottish or your Welsh or your Irish, uh, it would be described there. Actually, the Irish pubs are probably your best bet as well. So flick through time out for that because, yeah. the, you know, invariably you'll find people breaking into song or breaking glasses over each other's heads. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, one thing I've found all over Europe is that if you want to find locals having fun, go to the Irish pub. I don't care if you're in France mm-hmm. or Italy or Poland. If you find an Irish pub, you're going to find locals out having a wonderful time. Oh, the, old, the oldest Irish pub is on Fleet Street. Um, and I forget the name. I'm so sorry, but you only have to go down to the bottom of Fleet Street and you'll find it. There's a lot of pubs in that area that are actually historic buildings, too, with beautiful yes. pub architecture and elegant furnishings. I, I took a pub architecture tour once around Fleet Street, and it's amazing, all the historic pubs that are tucked away here and there in and around Fleet Street. Fleet Street and High Hoban, really, the, the oldest pubs in London, Yoldi Cheshire Cheese, Yoldi Mitre, they're all Yoldi something. <laughs> um, the Mitre is, is minuscule and very, very hard to find. It's just off Hatton Garden, the Diamond District of London, and there you see this incredible tree stump, a cherry tree stump, that's sort of built into the wall, and allegedly Sir Christopher Hatton and Queen Elizabeth I danced around it, and I believe it, actually. I do I do believe that story. You know, these sort of places, the Mitre, Punch and Judy, Yield Cheshire Mm-hmm. They're touristy now. They're right on the main drag, but they have a real history, a real heritage, a real respect among local people who know their heritage. You also go late. If, you, if you're going to heritage pubs like the Cheshire Cheese, mm-hmm. the tourists will probably have left after 6 p.m. 
Uh, so you're going to find it a little bit quieter, a little bit fuller of locals, probably a lot of the legal profession because, yeah. um, you know, the old Bailey is very near there. Yeah. The, the inns of court are very yeah. near. So you find a very they, they take on a very different character after dark, put it that way. James Sherwood, it's been delightful talking with you. Your guidebook, oh, you. Discriminating Guide to London. And, you know, <laughs> chatting with you about London, I feel this uh, love you have for your city. Let's just finish off with uh, one little moment that, that you enjoy personally, uh, in spite of all the many places you have to look at to list in your guidebook, where you just feel like, yeah, London is, is the place that's right for me. Well, actually, the the places to go when when you want a certain serenity and an awful lot of quiet are the Sir Christopher Wren churches that were built in the city after the Great Fire of London in 1666. And you you see the most remarkable architecture. There's nobody ever in there in the daytime. Mm-hmm. And you're transported back to, I mean, some, some of these churches, are not, not the Wren churches, but some of them are medieval, like St. Bartholomew's, um, which mm-hmm. is in Clerkenwell. And I find the architecture there, and, and the, well, the hustle and bustle of London, to get away from it for at least five or ten minutes and have a tiny bit of peace and quiet is absolutely invaluable, plus the parks. You know, London mm-hmm. is a very green city. Hyde Park in particular is larger than Monaco, apparently. You know, mm-hmm. so you can always find a corner of Hyde Park to yourself. You know, that is such a nice note to end on because we talked about how the, the skyscrapers are violating the skyline of old London, but they don't violate the peace of a Christopher Wren church or, or the delightful welcome you feel when you just sit on a bench in a London park. Yes. James, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for your book. Again, James Sherwood's Discriminating Guide to London. Thank you so much, and I look forward to welcoming you in London. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.